WAAF presents the Six Strings Podcast with your host, Sean Six. This is Sean Six from Six Strings, and I am here with this amazing vocalist from this band called Gemini Syndrome. I have Aaron Nordstrom on the phone. How you doing, man? Hey, my brother. It's been a minute since we've hung out. Last, it has, man. It's been since like last week. <laughs> yeah. It's been a super long time since I've seen you last. What was that, Saturday? Yeah, I know, right? You know, it's like yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of like millennials where we don't stay in, you know, constant every day, every moment, social media contact, and we feel like... Bro. <laughs> Why you got to pick on the millennials, man? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I get, Millennials I, are people, too. I, I guess it's just me being a Gen Xer, dude. We, we just I mean, not grown-up people yet. Not grown-up, <laughs> but they're people. Just like children are people, too. I know. I know, man. We think that they have a handle of it, but sometimes they, they surprise us. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. So, Aaron, I got you on the phone, and other than the fact that I like talking to you, but I wanted to talk about how you guys have just recently announced that you have a new record coming uh, sometime next year, 2020, and uh, this is going to be part of your trilogy with your other two albums that you had previously. Was the trilogy aspect for Gemini something that had always been in place, or is this just something that's kind of presented itself organically? You know, it's funny that you ask it like that in particular, because I was just thinking, where did this really come from before you kind of pose the question? And it's always, I don't really remember where it came from. I specifically remember it being a Brian idea, I think, because he was talking about the, uh, like the symbolism and the artwork design as we were writing these songs. And the story kind of started to unfold itself. And then the records, as we've gone through these three albums, the stories and the things that I went through kind of lined up perfectly to fit that story that we had kind of outlined. So is it art creating life or life creating art? I've been kind of tripping on that myself lately about these three records, because I can't say it was from the very beginning of Foundation, but I think probably around the time that we titled the first album and realized what that was, that it was going to be kind of a three-part journey. And that idea, you know, conversely has evolved along with it and with us as time has gone on. So You understand that, you know, the idea of you guys doing a trilogy aspect or a multi-concept group of albums, that's a pretty classic rock kind of mentality. That's something that seems to have went out of fashion over the last couple of decades, and now we're starting to see it pop up again when people are starting to think more long-term as far as creating albums instead of just, let's bang this one out, tour it, uh, sell it as good as we can, and then we start all over. Right. You know, you guys strike me as the type of people anyway, and as a band, you guys think really long-term. Like, you, you have a concept. That's kind of an interesting thing when you think of rock bands, because rock bands have a tendency to be very in the moment. They kind of run from one aspect to the other. They kind of let things go. It's almost chaotic, uh, ADD kind of thing. But you guys have a path that you're taking. Yeah, and I think that's helped us, you know, whether we intended it that way or not, um, because we have no lacking of that other stuff, right? We have no lack of the chaotic day-to-day unfolding of, of what it's like to be in a rock band right. or whatever. You know, it comes with its own trials and tribulations and, and problems that, that just happen to every band. But I know, you know, seeing it from, from a, a long time back... I remember the first time or one of the first times it was brought up in an interview. And uh, I think at that point, at least from my perspective, it had been talked about, but we hadn't really put a stamp on it yet. Right. And it got brought up in an interview somewhere. And I was like, well, I guess I'm committed now, <laughs> uh, which I suppose was a little uh, a little foreboding, if you will. Like, OK, well, and now these next two records have to 
kind of follow, you know, this this kind of plot board or whatever, you know. I mean, to to a point, but I mean, I guess con- conceptually with these records, it's kind of open enough that my interpretation wasn't too limited, you know. Things like birth and death. Yeah, it's like you guys, in realistic terms, amongst label change, membership change, you guys have had your fair share of ups and downs, and and let it organically take its path that you know it was destined to take anyway. And that kind of brings me into an aspect about the sound of the band and what your guys' music is like stylistically. You talk about the birth and the death aspect of it. You guys get pretty deep on conceptually on lyrics and music stylistically. Is that something that you guys have always, like you've navigated towards? Because people have put, you know, reference in with you guys as far as sounding like Tool and stuff like that. It's nice to have influences, but you don't want to necessarily be pigeonholed into a particular area. But you guys do have that real cerebral aspect aspect to your music. How do you think the rock world has kind of received that? Have you felt like they've been receptive over the years or do you think that maybe they've pushed back a little bit or? No, I definitely don't feel like we've gotten a lot of pushback. Okay. Yeah, I was reading something on, uh, I was reading an internet website today and I was reading comments about this new release and, uh, I kind of chuckled because there was one dude who had commented that he liked us, but he kind of got lost with all the religious stuff. <laughs> okay. I kind of chuckled at that because it's not really religious, although I do quote stuff from religious theology or philosophy or whatever. It's not overtly or even you know covertly uh, meant to be a specific religion. Right. But it's it's the things that I think about. They're spiritual. This is the stuff that I think about and read about when I'm you know when I'm home, when I'm off tour, and when I'm living the the other part of my life besides the touring part you know stuff fascinates me and it kind of all comes back to psychology to me in a big way and that's you know that's what I went to school for when I was young so younger not old <laughs> but uh so as far as the pushback there was actually another comment on there that struck me as pretty significant and it was that uh we were a band that's always kind of gone under the radar but that we were really good and i thought that was pretty pretty accurate of a statement because we tend to like people tend to like our music that i talk to as far as i can tell right right people say people seem to like it overall there are people who don't i've met a handful or whatever or people who don't get it and that's what they've said to me i don't know they don't get it and that's cool too but i think that we have kind of like that almost prog vibe, but but also presented in a different facet than than prog rock is, right? So there's something a little more brainy going on, maybe. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that just sounds cocky and and, and arrogant. (laughs) When you think about it, the fact that you guys are doing a trilogy... And, and I don't want to keep going back to that, but the fact that you make the comment about prog rock kind of reference, that kind of makes sense. You know, some of the biggest prog rock bands also have thought about making music and albums long term as a group, as a catalog, not necessarily as individual one-off kind of like singles. Uh, sure. There was a little more thought um, and care and concern that was put into it instead of just the wham-bam, thank you, ma'am kind of mentality as far as creating music. Uh, you, you guys have definitely kind of gravitated towards that, like you said, somewhat unintentionally, but it definitely goes along with you guys' particular personalities and mindsets and intellectualism. But, you know, the people that maybe have said that you guys were in the undercurrents or kind of like in the background, I've used this in a in an interview recently about this term because it's a movie reference about the slow burn. It's, yeah. it's these types of movies that have this really intense plot line uh, and it kind of creeps up on you. You don't, at first you kind of think, oh, well, you know, maybe this is going to go in a little too 
slow for me. And then three quarters of the way in, you can't pull yourself away from the, the TV. And you don't remember when it happened. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, dude. It just kind of creeped up on you. You guys, Gemini Syndrome uh, as a whole has definitely kind of exhibited that when it comes to, because, I mean, let's be honest, there's so many different bands that are in this particular segment of rock that people have a tendency to get buried in the wash. Everybody sounds the same. You can pull band members out of one band, put them in another band. It's like, you know, you're just, you're taking pieces of different colored Legos and putting them together, but you still end up with that one car. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you guys have stood out. It's kind of like almost you've resisted the pull to be part of the vanilla segment of active rock. Well, and the funny thing is about that is that like... Sorry, my dog barked and when he was standing up, freaked me out. I don't want to call it vanilla because there's some stuff out there that's really, really great. And can, you know, let me use this band as an example. Animals as leaders. Okay. I love that band. But they're so brainy because they're genius musicians. And that's just what they play. Those guys are just out of this world and they'll never see, you know, probably radio or whatever. But I've gone and seen them a couple of times and every time it's packed. And it's shoulder to shoulder and people are into this music, right? So there's a lot of people out there listening to stuff that's not in the vanilla category or whatever. Right. I think uh, like The Contortionist or uh, Sky Harbor, uh, 12 Foot Ninja. Those are some other bands that are still underground in a sense but uh are pretty are pretty heady if you will yeah it's um you know like you said you go to these shows and they're packed and i can speak from experience because i've stood on the side of the stage with you guys or have also been in the crowd and see it be packed and then if you guys aren't at the top of the charts people are kind of like left wondering why why not i mean look at the look at the response we're getting here it's like how are they not bigger than they are and like the bands that you just referenced is very true for them too it, it, it is kind of surprising in how the machine works. And Sorry to cut you off, but before we get off this subject, you know, for a long time, what was considered like metal, metal was never got radio because it was always screaming. And as time has gone on with new metal and old metal, they've kind of like, I don't know, they've kind of cross-pollinated a little bit. <laughs> right. And uh, there's a lot more singing in metal now. So a lot of those bands that used to maybe would have fit in a category like Pantera or something, you know, not for the biggest metal band or one of them, but who were like definitely heavier, but you put a singing vocal on it and suddenly the radio stations will play it. I'm not saying that's a reason to sing. If you're not into that, then don't do it. Right. Right. If you're a screamer, scream all day. But over time, that's just kind of changed, right? Definitely still that that, that kind of metal out there. But I don't know, this record, I've, people keep telling me it's like really heavy and I don't hear it because I'm doing a lot of singing. Right. Right. I mean, the, what you have shared with me, you know, privately and stuff about the new music that's coming, I can hear a slight change in the music as well. I can hear that heaviness that maybe people are starting to refer to. And obviously, I think some of the influence, it, it comes from you guys, you know, creatively anyway. That's where you guys are at the moment. But this kind of is a good segue into, I think, on one of the positive changes that have happened for Gemini Syndrome is you guys have, you know, somebody who's helping write the new music, has helped write the new music, um, but has been playing with you guys for a little bit. And that's Meigs Rascone. And he was in a band called Coal Chamber before. But Meigs' influence on the band Gemini Syndrome has, I guess you could say, has been profound, right? Yeah, it has. His presence musically and just in general as a person, having another uh, another teammate or right. another brother in the mix, because um, all that stuff matters at the end of the day, right. to me anyway. Um, and he does, man. He brought like a really, hey, he's a guitar player, man, all day. Right. Now, I, I'm a guitar player. I play guitar, and I enjoy it, and I love it. 
but um in this particular you know in this band i don't i played on the last record and i we that was what we had to do but we've got a guy with us that that's his job and he loves it and he's good at it so just that just having this the, the solidarity of everybody kind of knowing what their role is i didn't have really anything to do with the guitars on this album it was awesome <laughs> not that i don't i not that i don't like doing it but it was cool to just like let him do it and you- see what he came up with it left you alone so you could do your job and it allowed him to to not have to worry about somebody else's job and let him just run off and do wild yeah, things. Certainly. Yeah, certainly. Certainly not looking over his shoulder and like, you know, nothing like that. He came in and immediately him and Brian started demoing out songs and it you know, they were all good from we we cranked out so much music for this record over the time it took us to write it. And what ended up, you know, being the finished product is just a portion of that. It's crazy. Right. But you that know, always happens, I guess. It's interesting because people are paying an awful lot of attention to the fact that Meigs is creating with you guys now, not just playing with you guys. I think it's great, but also too I think it I don't want people to have it detract from the fact that Gemini Syndrome was a great band to begin with, but now it's just it's another feather in your guys' cap. They make a comment about managers that managers and business are only as strong as the people that work for them. And I think Gemini is now really starting to fire on all cylinders, so to speak, because the band was strong before, but now it's becoming even stronger because of the strong members in the band. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that coupled with the timing of, of being a third record for the for the core of us, right? For the, for the three of me, Brian and, and AP, like there's already a, a communication between the three of us that you only get with a lot of time. Yeah. And it, it's just, it, it's so easy. Like we, I don't know, we don't fight about it. We don't argue. When we do, we kind of make fun of each other for <laughs> it. And, and, you know, it all lends in laughter anyway. Right. I've witnessed that too. Um, so. Because <laughs> we, because we kind of know what everybody's going to say anyway. Right. You know, AP's going to want his bass turned up and Brian's going to want more drums and I'm going to want more harmonies. Right. And, you know, that's going to be our, argument and Eags will just be like cool man whatever <laughs> he didn't put up a fight he's like the most easygoing dude you know he is i think between just the fact of of you Meigs, Brian, AP, and myself sometimes, there's been a lot of messages back and forth with a lot of hugs and a lot of hearts and a lot of bromance kind of stuff. And it's like... A lot of, a lot of bromance and a lot of, a lot of tear faces and laughing. <laughs> and, that, and that water emoji because it's water. Speaking of that, the, the cool thing also about Meigs is that he's been in our lives. You know, he's been, he was in a band with Brian like long ago. Right. Back in the early 2000s. So they've been friends for, you know overly long time and I've known Meeks personally for at least a decade now. He was getting tattooed on his rib cage, his wife's name, the night that I got the Gemini syndrome tattoo. Like we were in the same room together at our old apartment, like getting tattooed all, you know, Gundam style or whatever. Right. Um <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I just hear people say it. <laughs> Getting tattooed Gundam style. It probably doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Anyway, whatever. It, it sounds good. It'll probably end up on a on a song eventually. So comes off the tongue nicely. It does. Know? It does. Yeah. It's I mean, you guys it felt like me stepping into the band as much as say the public, uh, it was new and, and maybe surprising for them. For you guys as friends and creatively as artists, it just made sense. It was like the natural progression of it. Yeah. You know, funny enough, Brian and Meeks were out to lunch one day. And uh, this is after Memento Mori was done. And we were, you know, I think we toured on it or whatever. And he was, he was like, man, we just can't seem to find the find the right guy. You know, we found like all good guys, all good players, just not the right guys. And uh, <laughs> Meeks was sitting across from me, just kind of looked at him like, really? You're like my, you know, you're like my best friend. You don't, it's like, uh, <laughs> why don't you it's like ask fight me? Club. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, like fight club, man. Just ask, man. <laughs> 
what do you mean? You called me because your house burned down and you need a place to stay. Just ask. <laughs> it's almost and, like he uh, might have been insulted. Like, hey, dude, you know, hey, I'm sitting right here. Why are you yeah, talking? That's, like, that's I'm not, it. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly it. And uh, Brian was like, man, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think you'd, I didn't think you'd say yes, right? It's still Meeks from Cold Chamber, you know? Yeah. In our minds, like, that guy's an arena rock dude. <laughs> Not arena rock music. I mean, he's, you know, his band was huge. And uh, despite the fact that he's my friend, you know, and we still joke about that constantly, you know? It's Meeks from Cold Chamber. Because that's a big deal to me, man. That's a big deal. It is. You know, it's a big band. It is. And I, so. pers- I mean, my personal opinion, as great as Cold Chamber was, and Meeks's influence in part of that, and... But watching Meeks play and watching Meeks be around you guys, there's a special spark that's there. And I think a lot of it has to do with you and AP and with Brian and, and having him. It really does click. It's like he's kind of found his forever home. Is really yeah, man. Is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I couldn't I, agree. I couldn't agree more. That's totally true. And I think that that is going to translate well into the music. Because like I said, the, the stuff that you guys have shared with me and, and I'll I'll premise it with this. When people get a chance to really hear this stuff, when you guys, you know, release this child to the world, people are going to freak. I really genuinely think that. I think people are going <laughs> to lose their mind because I think based off what you guys have already done previously with the other two albums, how this is going to match up to that and be part of it, but also have its own progression independently. I think people are going to sit up and take notice. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was that band before. It's, you know, kind of like we were saying, that slow burn. People are now going to be like, holy crap. I, I hope so, brother. You know, <laughs> I, I hope so. I've been listening to it, you know, what I have of it so far. I have about half of it. And uh, I'm super proud of it. I think it's a special record. Um, but I think that every artist who really puts their heart and soul into it always says that. And you guys have obviously, you know, this album working with Matt Good on this, uh, you know, obviously his being on the production side of it. It is, it is phenomenal. He's a monster, dude, when it comes to this stuff. Dude, it was an absolute joy to work with him. And uh, I can't uh, sing enough praises about the dude. Your recording experience was a positive? <laughs> I had a blast. That's good. I was bummed that I was... Dude, I was in and out of the studio in a total of nine days with two days off to rest. Uh, we recorded this record so fast. I think partially due to the fact that we had a really, really, really long time working on it. But also, to, you got to consider that like something like half the songs thereabouts were written in the studio while we did while we recorded. So when I when I got down there, by the time it was time to do vocals, they were sending stuff to me every day that they worked on or whatever. By the time I got down there, um, there was like three, there was five new songs in the folder that I'd had for like maybe three days and heard once. And then we wrote a couple more that week while I was there. And uh, man, Matt is just uh, just rapid fire, dude. Just efficient and rapid fire. When things are that good, that seems to be what happens. Uh, it's those creative elements the songs, uh, the artistic product, uh, if you want to call it, the ones that seem to languish, it, you know, you kind of struggle through it and stuff like that. Those don't seem to end up being all that momentous, but the ones that come off that really kind of like creative, uh, I call it the creative climax. It really is kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, you kind of go through that kind of, <laughs> that you know, that uh, musical coitus, and then all of a sudden you have that creative climax, and there it is. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Uh, 
Um, to put that in perspective, the first record took us 16 weeks to record. Okay. The second record took us seven weeks to record, maybe seven and a half. Right. And this record, I believe, when everything was said and done, I think was six weeks to record, maybe five. So I thought there was no way after Memento Mori that we could do a record faster than that. And lo and behold, with more people involved, because Meeks did, I mean, maybe that's why, too. You know, because Meigs had his part in it, right? Uh, to do, and I didn't have to do, I guess, double duty or whatever. Poor me, poor me. I'm not trying to whine. I'm just saying it's crazy how fast <laughs> we got done with this album, man. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I sang everything and wrote everything that quickly. And it's not to say that it's a different, it's a better method or anything. It wasn't better or worse being with the Churcos, either of them or Matt. It's just different producers, different artists in the room. And lucky for us, we've had three records in a row where we were just with a person who really got on our page but also brought a lot of their own um, creativity and insight and, and experience from writing and working on great records, you know, to, to kind of step in and do exactly what we, you know, have them there to do. One of the things I wanted to ask you as we kind of wrap up a little bit, because I know that you can't say a lot about the new album coming. There has to be some secret to it, and I get that. Yeah, you know us. I know, I know. Everything's, you know, cloak and dagger. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, because I've been out on tour with you guys, I've had the distinct pleasure um, some of it, maybe not so much pleasure, and I think you guys could probably right. her- herald that too, because we did suffer a little bit on that on that trip. pleasure and pain, man. It definitely was. It definitely was pleasure and pain on that one. And how excited are you guys to get back out on the road? I think it'll really hit us when we're back on the road. It's been a really long hiatus. Yeah, it's been by the time it'll be a year and a half since we did any real touring. Right. You know, we had a couple festivals last last summer and, and did a couple runs surrounding those. But really, it's been over a year. So we had toured for so much for those first two albums. And with all the drama that we went through with, you know, losing losing two people and going through the interim without really a, a solid membership. And hats off to all the guys, you know, the handful of dudes that came with us, man. And we're still, still friends with those guys. You know, nobody left on bad terms, I don't think. Um... But to have a core, you know, core foundation of this of this band now, and our bro Nick has been touring with us, and he's still a part of it too. So he's doing he's doing excellent on his end for what he's got. I think it'll be really nice to have that in a vehicle again, and have that kind of camaraderie and that solidarity on tour. I think it'll come out in the live shows. I think when everything's a cohesive unit on tour, man, you just yeah. play better. Yeah. Or if you absolutely absolutely hate each other. <laughs> Then you play really good, too, because you're just pissed all the time. But The only thing that we need to make sure that happens is to make sure that the generator stays working so there's AC. Yep. So And food. And food, um, because... AC, food, and phone chargers. <laughs> Those, I mean, that's... You know what? I don't need much. I don't need much. I don't know much. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a picky man, dude, but I'm, I've been doing this for a long time, and I need it to be climate controlled yep. and I need to have you know something to do so Michigan and Wisconsin in the summertime in July is oppressively humid and I can tell people the worst. Uh, I personally went down like two pant sizes by the end of the run with you guys when I got off and I was just I like specifically specifically remember Iowa driving into Iowa and it had been a really long drive with no AC and it was July and it was the Midwest and it was super hot and super humid and I slept for maybe be a half an hour of the whole like 10 hour drive or something yeah it's not and we got there and then they were like oh we also booked this stand-up comedian but he's got to go on by this time so you guys are going to play at seven and we were like what (laughs) 
and nobody nobody had the energy to fight about it, so we just did it. So I basically like pulled into the parking lot, we unloaded everything, and then I changed and warmed up, and we played like that. And that's how that tour like pretty much started. There might have been one before that, but good God, that was rough, man. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I need I need climate control. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be a little baby here, you know. No, I think that's a reasonable request. I think most I'm I think most for much. I think most touring musicians would uh, would probably uh, agree with you on that one. I'll live without Wi-Fi, bro. That's saying a lot. <laughs> Aaron, as always, dude, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I know I just recently saw you, but it's great to get a chance to discuss what's in store for Gemini Syndrome coming up. Uh, everybody's looking forward to the new album that's coming early 2020. Obviously, Matt Good did a, a phenomenal job with what I've heard of it so far. Uh, you guys are on Another Century Records, and you guys are twitching to get back out on the road as well, too. You know, talking to you like this, like we get to catch up on the business side, but then we have our private conversations. We can talk about all the other BS that goes on. <laughs> well, I forget we're on the air sometimes, except for that I watch my mouth. <laughs> we'll save everybody out there listening to uh, our little gossip sessions. Yeah, man, you can tune into uh, the Liquid Conversations for yeah, that. Yeah, great plug, yes. And if everybody wants you see to see what I did there? I, I, dude, oh. I'm totally picking up what you put down, dude. I am on fire today, man. <laughs> I cleaned my house. I went grocery shopping. I'm dropping plugs, bro. <laughs> and yes, everybody else can listen to other segments of wisdom by Aaron and uh, and myself on our other podcast that we have called the Liquid Conversations. But for Six Strings right here, yep. uh, we're going to uh, let everybody uh, know that you guys are coming back once again. And uh, it's, coming, it's coming back, and we're coming. Uh... We're coming with an intention. Coming with intention. They say in Chinese Kung Fu, they say no yi, no chi, no intention, no energy. We have a lot of yi. Perfect, dude. We'll chat again soon, and uh, everybody's excited waiting. All right, brother. I'm glad to hear it. Mm-hmm.